I'm Pastor Michael Ansman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. I'd like to welcome you and to thank you for listening to our Sunday morning sermons. I hope that they're a blessing to you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but for the past few weeks, we've had a series of very sobering readings from just about every passage of Scripture, whether it be the Old Testament, the Epistle, or the Gospel. And so this morning, we're going to focus uh, specifically on the Gospel reading from Matthew 25, 31 to 46, uh, the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. When I was a little kid, I really loved, and it kind of freaked me out too, uh, the movie The NeverEnding Story. And in one part of the movie, the character Atreyu, he has to go to this oracle to kind of find out how to save the mythical land of Fantasia from the evil of the nothing. But to get there, he first has to pass a gate. And this isn't just any gate. This gate shows you your true self. And when uh, his companion Falcor and the gnome Njiwuk, they, they talk about it, Falcor notes that confronting one true self, that eh, doesn't sound so bad, to which Njiwuk replies, that's what everybody thinks. But kind people find out that they are cruel. Brave men find out that they are really cowards. When confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. And that's kind of at the heart of what we read from, heard read from the story of the sheep and the goats from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. At the judgment seat of Christ, who is seated ruling and reigning as king over all things, we see revealed exactly what was really in our hearts, leading us to eternal life or eternal damnation or eternal death. And I will admit to you, brothers and sisters, that these readings we heard this morning and even the ones we've done the past few weeks, they are difficult to hear and sometimes are even more difficult to preach. And the great temptation when, you, to, when we read these texts and to preach these texts is to try to explain them away so they lose their power. To be honest, I would like to ignore them a little bit maybe <laughs> and, and spend the next 17 to 25 minutes reading from the church fathers. But just because something is difficult to hear doesn't mean we get to avoid it or that we don't need to deal with it. Because the church, it's not a university classroom. The church is a hospital after all. And it's worth noting that medicine and our healing is not guaranteed to be painless. We'll get more into that next year. These readings are meant to shake us from apathy. They are meant to help us focus our divinely given task. And we resist these readings because they show us that we will one day in the future be judged. Last week we spoke of the certainty of the day of the Lord and how it's a cause for encouragement for us as Christians. But it's also a cause for alarm and concern because judgment also happens. We saw that also last week in the parable of the talents. And what we do has eternal consequences. We don't like the idea that someone has the authority to judge us. But that's exactly what we see here in the parable of the sheep and the goats 
and what is bound up with the ruling and reigning of Christ as our king, which is unpopular terminology, too. We don't like the terminology, we don't like the concept of, of a king ruling over us because kings have authority and power, and we think that the love of God doesn't mean that he does not still rule over us with all authority and all power. There's a prayer I hear uh, when I go to attend my friends' churches, uh, particularly uh, of the Orthodox variety. And in this prayer, they say this. They ask the Lord for a, quote, a Christian ending to our lives, a painless, unashamed, and peaceful, and a good defense before the dread judgment seat of Christ. Let us ask this of the Lord. Now these readings remind us, brothers and sisters, of that stark reality that none of us will escape judgment. And that doesn't sit well with us because we're independent, so we think, or because that's not fair, or so we reason, or because no one has the right, so we believe. I'm an American, Jesus. When you come to judge me, <laughs> send me to the consulate. Here's my passport. You have no authority over me. But if in Christ we live and move and have our being, then we are all answerable in how we lived and how we moved and what we did with our being. The St. Paul reminds us in Romans, no one is without excuse. This reading highlights that what we do with what God has given us matters. So at the return of Christ, we see he has gathered up all of the nations before his throne. And when they are all gathered, they will all be separated from one another. And this reminds me of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Because in that parable of the wheat and the tares, they're allowed to grow together and they're only separated after the harvest. And the reason for that, brothers and sisters, is that the tares look almost exactly like the wheat. They look almost exactly the same, so it's difficult to decide which one is the actual life-giving wheat and which one is the poisonous, bitter tear. And it's only after it's harvested and sifted that the weed remains and the tares are taken away and burned. So too with us. The tares look good, but they're not quite right. And at the separation that we see here, those before the throne on the right are righteous. Those on the left are not. So if you're anything like me, when you read this passage of Scripture, you might be thinking to yourself, well, what side of the throne will I be on? Am I a sheep or am I a goat? How can I be sure? And I think the answer ties in with what we spoke about last week when I preached on salvation as something that happens to us in, a future, in the future tense, as something not fully realized by us at this present moment. And this description and those questions like mine have caused a lot of consternation from, from many people. So the immediate response by some is to say, look, they earned eternal life by doing good works. There's a priest I like named uh, Father Stephen Freeman who has a take on this that I appreciated. He noted this, Interestingly, the parable combines the concept of our being, or ontology, as well as character, our actions. 
It begins with sheep and goats. That is what we actually are. And that description is revealed in the character of our actions. So what we are is revealed through what we do. He goes on to say that every moment of our life walking our path, the more opportunities that we have been given to show Christ's love, our path moves more and more towards the right side. And the opposite then would be true. Every moment we reject the opportunity to show the love of Christ, we move leftward. And we see very clearly here that what we do has great importance. And oftentimes the commandments of our Lord seem random. And they might seem arbitrary, but they are not. The keeping of the commandments of our Lord are shaping us and molding us into the new creations that he is making us into. Because like I've said many times, brothers and sisters, faith is not just being able to claim to believe the right things. Faith is not just saying, I believe the right things. It is not just, I have a list, I can check all of the boxes off, I have faith. It's what we do with what we believe. I mean, this is the whole point of the book of James. right? If we can quote the Apostles' Creed, if we can quote the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed, and we can quote all of the great ecumenical councils of the church, then, <laughs> but we don't feed the hungry, then what good is memorizing all of that? Now, now we have to be careful here because when encountering scriptures like this, some will turn around and say, see, we don't actually have to believe in the creeds or we don't even have to believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead. We don't have to believe that Jesus was actually born from a virgin. We don't have to believe that he actually ascended on a cloud. We don't have to believe that he's even really going to return bodily. All that matters is how kind we are. That's the other side of the error. What we confess, though, brothers and sisters, matters. What we believe matters. Eternal condemnation is not a metaphor for human wickedness. Eternal death, eternal separation from God is not a metaphor for human evil. It is a description of a very real experience. So what we believe actually does matter, but what we believe then should move us into doing. What's also worth noting here is the self-deception of the goats. Notice they call Jesus Lord. They acknowledge him as the Lord. To use the terminology of our more revivalist brothers and sisters, right? The Lord. This should make us think of his words from Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, what? You all know this. Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who do the will of my Father. They think they are part of the in crowd, but they don't even realize that they are in the out crowd. And what do we see is the factor that separates them from those who are not self-deceived. They don't give food to the hungry. They don't give drink to the thirsty. They don't give clothes to the naked. They don't visit those who are sick. And they are not hospitable to the stranger. That's interesting. When, when theologians over the, the millennia have thought about this, they haven't just focused on the material aspect of it. We'll talk about both. There's a spiritual aspect here as well as the material aspect. Listen to the words of St. Theophylact. He says this, 
If you give food and drink to him who hungers and thirsty for teaching, you have given food and drink to Christ. If you see someone who has become a stranger to his heavenly Father, take him in with you. If you see a man who should cast off the garment of incorruption which he had at his baptism so that he is naked, clothe him. And if one is infirm in the faith, help him. And visit him who is shut in the dark prison of this body and give him counsel which is a light to him. So it's interesting, right? So he even says... People who are hungry and thirsty for teaching, if you give them that, then you have given them food and drink. And I would probably stretch this to say the Eucharist, right? We all hunger, we all thirst, and the Eucharist is the feast that satisfies. And I don't know about you, but I am getting very, very tired of not being able to partake right now. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest with all of you, brothers and sisters. I'm getting very tired, and it's something that I'm craving, and it's something that I deeply miss, and it's something that grieves me that we're not able to be able to share with one another. So he also says, welcoming the stranger is bringing those who are from outside of the family, bringing him in with us. He he says that, that those who have cast off their garment of incorruption from their baptism, right? So someone who has been in the faith and then casts that aside and turns aside to the world, you know, when we reach out to them, when we bring them back in, that is clothing the naked. And those who are weak in the faith, helping them and visiting them and counseling them and walking with them, that is service to Christ. But we also have to remember, we can't just leave it at that, right? The realm of the spiritual. We can't just leave it there without the material aspect too. Because St. Theophilac, like many of the fathers before him notes, that whatever we have in excess of our needs, if we don't give it to those who need it, then we are actually robbing them. St. Basil the Great said, the bread you are holding back is for the hungry. The clothes you keep kept away, they are for the naked. The silver you keep buried in the earth is for the needy. You are thus guilty of injustice towards as many as you might have aided and did not. Right? The church takes a very serious look at what we're called to do in service of the poor. Not just in the realm of the spiritual, but also the realm of the material. Which is why what we did with Bethlehem Emergency Services is so important. Which is why what we do with our involvement with the North Hampton Food Bank is so important is that we are serving Christ as we serve them. And let's be honest, brothers and sisters, it is hard to serve some people. When someone doesn't smell good, when when they're not dressed well, when they don't have any social graces, maybe they may have some mental issues. It's hard. It's hard to serve them. It's hard to serve people sometimes who are less fortunate than us. But that's what we're called to do. And those are the people we're called to serve. And in serving them, we are serving our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking of, you know, the life of uh, St. Francis. How he would treat the sick and the suffering, kissing them and hugging them and showing them the love of Christ. And Christians have repeated that pattern throughout history. 
those who are in need are Christ, right? Christ sees this, the service to them, as service rendered to himself. And this, brothers and sisters, is a massive reorientation of what our society values. Christians are called to live in this way, to live as if what we own does not belong to us, because it doesn't. It belongs to God. And nothing kicks up anger in us like the idea that our material possessions aren't ours to do with as we please. It's funny, well, not funny, but in the parable when Jesus calls out the goats, they protest, right? And when we're caught out, we protest. When did we see this, Jesus? When did we see the sick person? When did we see the naked person? I didn't see them anywhere. What do you mean we didn't do any of that? Jesus is like, the sick person that you walked past and didn't help. The hungry person you didn't give any food to. The guy who was walking down the street in the middle of winter with a short sleeve shirt on and you didn't give him a coat when you have four at home. That's when you didn't do it to me. We may have believed the right things. We may have performed the liturgy correctly. We may have kept all the major feast days. We may have done all the local traditions of the church well. We did all that, Jesus. And Jesus said, but what did you do with what I gave you? How did what you believe manifest itself in how you live your life? At the throne of Christ, what is truly in us will come forth. And keep in mind, the punishment here, the eternal fire, it's not meant for us. right? That's the thing that we have to talk about all the time when we talk about the reality of hell and eternal punishment is it wasn't meant for you. It's not meant for you. It's meant, Christ says, for the devils and his angels. The evil spiritual forces that have rebelled against God and have been seducing and leading aside humanity for millennia. It is reserved for them. It's not meant for us. But we put ourselves there by refusing Christ, by not honoring his commandments to love and care for one another. We put ourselves there by our inaction, our stubbornness, our pride, and our unbelief. So let us, brothers and sisters, be busy doing the work which our Lord sent for us and follow his good commandments, that when he returns, he will find us faithful so we can all pray with humility for a Christian ending to our life, painless, unashamed, and peaceful, and a good defense before the dread judgment seat of Christ, to whom is due all glory and worship and service together with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. This is Pastor Mike Landsman, and if you have any questions about anything you heard or would like some more information about our church, feel free to email me, malandsman at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Zion's Stone UCC, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We have a GoFundMe set up as well for some repairs that we need, gofundme.com slash UCC. As we continue to navigate the fallout from the coronavirus, I'd like to thank everyone for their continued generosity. It always amazes me how generous you've been. And I pray that the blessings of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 